0: Welcome to the NBA coast to coast podcast brought to you by the lines.com coming to you from the west coast Josh Lander joined by Nate Weitzer he's on the east coast. And we are kicking off the week with a six game slate here. Not my favorite to have to look at right now. A few teams on a back to back. We got three of them, Um, but we are bringing you best bets in this video. We've found some good stuff. There's a couple games that we've got, uh, you know, some well rested teams for sure. So we're taking a look at what we know here with best bets. We've also got some play up props up in another video for you. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page and continue to follow along all season with us. Also head to the lines.com and use everything we've got under that NBA tab on the site there, including that prop finder tool to make sure you're getting the best juice back on all these bets that you are making this NBA season. Nate, let's go ahead and run into your first best bet for tonight.
1: Yeah, it's an eight game slate. Uh, just, just, Is it? yeah, but, um, wow. Yeah, I mean, the last game on the slate is the one I'm looking at here. Hawks at Kings. Oh, and I'll go over two thirty-seven and a half. I know it's crept up a couple points, but I still think this is a, a, a get right spot for the Kings. I mean, if you want to take Hawks plus eight and a half, I don't blame you. Like, it makes sense to, to do stars out bets up. With Trey Young out here, like Dejounte will just will just take over that number one facilitating role. They'll, they'll, they should be fine here. The Kings haven't covered against anybody, but it's the extended rest that worries me. In that sense, uh, that the Kings haven't played since last Thursday. They're three and and0 on three days rest this season. Those games have been incredibly high scoring. Um, they they've scored about one twenty three. They've gotten about twenty eight free throw attempts. They've allowed about twenty eight free throw attempts. So, obviously, trending over when they do win, like you expect them to win this game. It's just, it's just a question on the spread, which is why we're like, no Hawks worst team in the league against the spread. Like we're not, we don't want to mess with that necessarily, but when the Kings win, they score 126 versus 108 in losses. And you can almost mark it like clockwork when they're on a rest, uh, when they're on short rest, right? That they're going to score like 99. I mean, some of that's the matchup. They play the Clippers, they play the Pelicans, their offense gets shut down, but at extended rest at home, uh, this is this is certainly going to trend over when you look at the numbers. I mean, they're fourteen and six to the over at home, eight and four uh, against the East. Both of those about seven points per game over the assigned total. <clears throat> Hawks on the road lately, like, have been a little lower scoring for sure. Uh, and I don't know how much of that's the matchup, right? Like Miami, Orlando, et cetera. They they've played four against the Western Conference this season. And they've averaged 128 a game in those in those three and one to the over. Uh they had some faster matchups against Indy and in Washington. Those obviously cruised over. Now, without Trey, that is a concern for sure. But like I said, like I trust DeJounte to just do what he used to do with the Spurs. Like he's averaged a solid 25 and 10 without Trey in three games this season. Uh, they were on pace, certainly, to, to to even beat Philly without Trey. They led 68-62 at half uh, in their second game without him this year. That was no Jalen Johnson. So they're 2-1 without him now after pulling out the win at Miami. Like, they can be competitive here. Bogdanovich can come off the bench hot, provide more points than you might expect. and And just, like, lastly, looking at this last matchup, um... The, the Hawks just were shut down in the second half, which is really strange at home. The only 39 points in that second half. Kings play better defense on the road. Like, I, I just don't expect them to, to have that same kind of sustained defense. I, I expect it to be a more of an up and down game uh, with with Jalen Johnson getting going in transition. That was only Jalen's second game back from injury, by the way, when when the Hawks lost by seven at home. Uh, So I I think, you know, we we just plug in DeJounte into the the facilitating Trey role and and expect the Hawks to come along for the ride.
0: Yeah, I do. I I definitely do. I mean, the Kings, as we've said, haven't had trouble necessarily scoring the ball, especially at home. So this does trend over. I'm uh, pretty confident this would be what, like 242 at least if Trey was playing. Right. And I don't think we think there's necessarily a four point, uh, you know, retraction here for this game, just because Trey's missing with the way that both these teams play, they, they both give, give up a lot everywhere. You know, whether it's two point field goals, three point field goals, especially the threes, probably going to see a lot of those rain down, both of them in the top eight, uh, in terms of the amount that they make per game, the Hawks are just giving up a huge percentage and, Sometimes you say, like, oh, there's variance from three, so maybe it's an unlucky three-point percentage against when when it's really high and you expect it to regress to the mean. <laughs> but how many games do we need to watch the Hawks allow 40% from three for the other team before we're like, oh, okay, they're just not going to guard the three-point line. Got it. And and Trey being out does increase the defense a bit, I suppose, but I'm still not, li- like, thinking that there's going to be incredible perimeter defense being played just because we'll see a bit more DeJanta. We'll see more Bogdan, not exactly a wing defender. Sadiq Bey is just 3-3 Three and three guy. I don't think there's any D in there, so I'm not really going to call him Sadiq Bay three and D. Right. So I'm with all of that for you. I, I do like the the Hawks to cover because I'm so down on this Kings team right now. Um, but let's not just use o- what's happened, you know, recently as the only reason to just keep fading the Kings. It could be very much so like a get right game that I don't think they'll necessarily use as like this is the measuring stick because we beat a Hawks team without Trey Young, but it is one that you can use to move forward, propel yourself since they're so well rested. So I'm gonna to go to Boston and. Dallas in Dallas and talk about under 239 and a half. Um, Boston has been going on under on the road a bit lately. Um, they definitely have a few overs, um, but that is to obviously where they score fewer points is on the road, not compared to the 120 plus that they put up in the garden. Um, and yeah, they're on a back to back and they haven't necessarily, they're basically even in terms of uh, going over under there when they're on playing on the back to back, If you, especially with this number here where it's at, it's 239 and a half. Um, and, and I think that's a bit high, for a Dallas team that's also been going under more frequently than you might think at home as of late, even with Luca in the lineup, like the points per game for this team has has, has dwindled um, when you see like 108, 118, um, not quite at the like 122 to 124 mark that they were putting up in the first half of the season when they were also playing a bit faster. Um yeah, with with Luca back and the way that this team these teams kind of match up, I don't like they they do want to get out and run a bit in terms of the fast break, but that hasn't necessarily been the case at home for Boston or for uh, for Dallas, like I said. And Boston's um, getting back in transition incredibly well and, and playing pretty good defense on the road as well. Pretty much the same, to be honest, whether they're they're at home or not, but. They're just scoring way more at home and beating teams by double digits there uh, despite the recent loss, obviously. But I, I think there's not going to be much in the paint. So it's just going to come back to three point variance with these teams. And I, I don't love betting on them like that, but with, with Boston having to make that trip and, and go to Dallas like that with, with no rest, I do think that the, the three point legs are, you know, being a little bit more tired or something that you can bank on for them. Dallas will, Definitely, I think slowed this game down with Luca back. Uh, not necessarily wanting to get into a back and forth with the the Celtics, who just you know have the wings to to outwing them, if you will, uh, out athletic them all the way down the floor. Dallas is not their their um, fast break defense is terrible. And that's why I think they just can't afford to, like, have it get up and down because they just don't get back on defense and they don't have the the bodies and the bigs necessarily to get back on defense. Um, Dante Exum being out is also something that that makes me go, OK, yeah, continue to be slower when he's there in there in the second unit. He's the guy pushing the pace and keeping those numbers high for them on the offensive rating. Um, and and like I said, the pace with the second unit when he's been controlling that for roughly you know anywhere from 19 to 22 minutes per game. And we're not going to get that from him. If he's doubtful, like I'm going to believe that as a, he's not playing tonight. So uh, the way that like Dallas is going to push things to the corners and actually defends above the break a bit better. That's where a bit more of the strength of their defense is, believe it or not, because they do hide Kyrie uh, a little bit. And they have Luka down low um, where they like I said, they're pushing things to the corners a bit more. Can take teams are taking a ton of that against them. Boston not necessarily going to keep is going to keep things above the break. Uh, that is where Tatum and company are shooting their threes more than any other team. Uh, more so than and, and neither of these teams have necessarily done a great job of getting to the rack. Even though you know we've seen Boston shoot so well lately. Like I I, I don't know. I would hope Tatum's going to drive. Like I guess as the Boston fan, like how do you see Boston reacting to this this Dallas defense? Yeah, they did a
1: great job, I mean, the last trip to, to Dallas a year ago. I mean, Tatum absolutely dominated the game, triple-double, and then the other guys kind of lined up. Derek White, uh, et cetera, lined up and, and held Luka in check. I mean, they didn't have Kyrie as the secondary option there, but that game obviously went way under because they held Dallas to just 95 on the road. Boston in the back-to-back situation, you mentioned, yeah, we don't we don't know what's going to happen with them. Like, there's been some crazy – like, they just absolutely smoke the Kings on a back-to-back on the road. Um, you know, they, they do score a lot against Toronto. But then lately, like, shutting down Indiana under. And then, of course, the Bucks back-to-back where they went way under. So, there is a lot of variance here, like you're saying, with the threes. Uh, so, I think there's a lot of wiggle room to get under 240. Like, as long as both teams aren't just, like... Hitting a barrage of threes, I don't, I don't really think. Yeah, we're getting to 240 here because uh, the Celtics do a great job keeping guys off the line too. Right. So they're going to make Dallas earn things in the half court.
0: Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, and, and keeping Luke off the line is a big part of that. So completely agree with that. Uh, your second pick.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, similar. Keeping speaking of keeping guys off the line and low scoring, I'll take the Cavs minus one. Here at Orlando, it's flipped a little bit from plus one to minus one because the obvious rest advantage here and I'll I'll just take that obvious rest advantage. Yes, I will because Franz Wagner only played 28 minutes in his return yesterday and you know, Jamal Mosley was kind of like we'll see if he can go on a back to back and if he can't go, there's no way you don't want to fade the magic like we've been on this again, Paolo under his props six seven straight now you know, going way under the 26 and a half he's been assigned. He can just not, he cannot carry this offense without Franz. Like Franz is so important for what the Magic do. And they're just also not very good on back-to-backs in general. With him, they're two and six straight up, scoring four points per game. If you were allowing nine and a half more, they're 12 and 18 as dogs. They allow more free throws on back-to-backs. And this matchup, it's it's exactly what you would expect, right? Just like a, a gross rock fight where it's low scoring, and the, the the Magic have shot just 18% for three in their two matchups with Cleveland this year. They actually lost with Paolo dropping 42. So that kind of, uh, you know, throws some, some holes in our fade Paolo w- along with the Magic theory. Uh, and then they managed to win with him dropping just 20, more balanced effort. I think that's more you look at the Cavs side, which is Garland had a big game. Donnie Mitchell had to play the 1B role. And part of the reason the Cavs have gotten so hot is because Garland's out. And I mean that's Darius Garland is a fabulous player. I'm not in any way saying that they're that 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 he's not a a great point guard to have alongside Mitchell. But you know what it does is streamline your offense. It it lets it be the Donovan Mitchell show, which he's he's used to from his time in Utah. Which everybody else, meaning these are these are three point shooters who gravitate around a son that is Donovan Mitchell, right? And it's just the spacing is better without Mobley because you have Strucer and Yang out there. Everything just seems to work much. Everybody knows their role a lot better. That's why they won seven straight with Donnie posting a 34% usage rate. Um, and, you know, his previous three against Orlando prior to that loss, he averaged 37 a game uh, with a very high usage rate. And generally, if you look at the game log, when Donnie has a high usage rate, Cleveland wins. Uh, that That's pretty much where we're at. And then they... The offense is simple, and then the defense is just elite, like number one defense across the board the last seven here. Doesn't matter who they're playing. doesn't matter what. Like the one thing they might give up is points off turnovers, and that's the one thing that gave me pause because Orlando does score well off turnovers. But in the half court, I just don't think they're going to have that much success, especially with tired legs on a back-to-back.
0: Yeah, we don't even know who's going to play for for Orlando, and it's it's possible that you're about to get a ton of value from minus one and a half. If any 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 of the following Joe Ingles, Jonathan Isaac, uh, Markel Fultz, Franz, uh, all, all these guys who have missed a ton of games before, like basically coming back for the last two or so. They, why would they play on a like we don't know that all of them are going to play on a back to back, especially old man Joe Ingles uh, and in company. A couple of those other guys are young enough. But yeah, Markel, who's been injured, folds like that. Like, yeah, I don't I don't know that you're going to see that many guys. And if it's just going to be the the sort of Paolo, uh, by the way, Goga Batadze was a uh, coach's decision not play last night kind of indicates maybe he's was making sure that he had a fully rested goga for tonight maybe you don't get some wendell carter jr who also just came back right so this spread could be like minus six and a half uh before this game starts if the injury report for orlando comes out and look i'm not saying you want to completely base a bet on that all the time but the, the minus one and a half is good as is and could be like about the the best uh clv that we'll, we'll find on the day so I'm going to another under as well here, Nate, to close things out. I know I had another uh, my under there in that Mavs Boston game, but I think Memphis and Toronto is probably ripe for another under as well. Uh, I don't want to put too much stock. It's uh, 227 and a half, and, and I like that. It might drop a little bit. I don't think people are expecting points to come necessarily in this one. Um, I don't really have a strong feeling about the cover. I would lean Toronto to be honest with you. If anything, I, I don't trust this Memphis team at all whatsoever. Um, but uh, the I, I don't really trust. Uh, Toronto to score that well yet either. I don't think that they're meshing fully as a team and and we'll see how that goes. But uh, in the last three, I really like thought there was a good amount that you could sort of glean from this game, from this matchup. Because the last three games have been so similarly sort of compartmentalized for these teams, right? Like everybody who's been out for Memphis for three games, and Toronto has had Bruce Brown and No Pascal for three games now. And what you see, as, as small of a sample size as it is, we can at least use something from it. And Mem- they are both one and two. Memphis is scoring 105 a game, allowing 117. Toronto's at one and two, 110 a game, scoring uh, scoring 110 a game, allowing 113 um they're both bottom of the league in terms of their field goal percentage they're both shooting mostly threes we have no hurdle in and we really don't have any strong attacking the basket you know power forward for for toronto at this point there's a lot of rj uh, hoping that his field goal percentage stays high to keep their like rj's been shooting 51 percent from the field on his like 15 shots per game i, I mean come on man i'm a knicks fan and i'm going to tell you right now that is not going to be the, the norm for rj is for him to shoot that well he's getting nine free throws a game and only making four and a half of them, which is also weird. He's better than that, but he's also not a nine free throw attempt a uh, game guy, but he is the pascal now he's the guy who's like banging bodies trying to get the sort of like you know little six footer off the glass that that pascal does every time he goes towards the rim using the backboards that's been rj's mo as well uh like i said attacking a bit more which is wild that's why i like some scotty barnes assists in this game but the the threes need to hit is the point like everybody else besides rj is like trying to shoot threes even scotty barnes who needs to stop um is shooting a a ton of threes memphis is shooting the most threes uh they're missing a ton of them as well but they're they're making the sixth most because they're you know shooting 43 and a half of them per game at this point because that's really the offense is triple j shoots from deep or they they run a little bit of of something else maybe santi aldama run shoots from deep like that's the memphis offense at this point there's really not much attacking going on in any way shape or form because obviously that was just jaw's job and now it's triple j running your offense shooting 23 and a half times a game like I'll go ahead and continue to hit an under. It's just all gross all around. Um, and Toronto's three point defense has been awesome. So like, that's also why I kind of lean Toronto is like, that's where they, they don't have any download defense. They just have a bunch of wings even more so now than they ever did. Cause I don't know what you consider Chris Boucher, but it's certainly not a rim protector, right? It's just the three point line that they do well.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's a good matchup for triple J and I, I mean, he might see a little bit more run here because I, I know you're scared to take the, uh, the under on triple J because of the volume shooting, but yeah, I I don't see him having a lot of success against the Raptors, who kind of been been bullied because they let Siakam and Precious Achua go in these trays, and now they have this void at power forward, and they've been bullied by some stronger guys. But, like, Triple J is not that. He's a finesse guy who you can put, like, a Boucher on. And, yeah, he's he's only 5 for 17 from deep his last three against the Raptors, not really having great offensive output. So definitely a correlation with him not being hot.
0: And the Grizzlies yeah. having another terrible offensive game because they don't they don't have much else. Nate, let's go ahead and get right into your first NBA playup prop for tonight.
1: First time we'll see Victor Wembanyama face Joel Embiid. It should be interesting. I'll take Wemby to stay hot over 21 and a half points. And the juice is really appealing. Uh plus one fifteen for him to hit 2-3, something he's done in eight of his last ten games. And while his minutes have been limited, he has a, at least a 32% usage rate in all ten of those games. The last two over 40% uh, in three of his last four, in fact, and he's averaging 26 points in just 25 minutes per game in those spots. I mean, obviously a very talented offensive player, a a guy with guard skills, who's going to be able to pull Embiid way away from the basket. If if the Sixers want to guard him with Embiid, like we've seen them kind of rest Embiid on a corner shooter a time. Maybe he's on Sohan at points but like the the point is here like Wemby's not you know you don't have to worry about him trying to score down low as a traditional post player against a beat who's very good limiting uh field goal percentage close to the rim like he's gonna he's gonna be able to get his from the perimeter and that makes you feel better about the threes too I think I I mean he has 20 plus in seven of his last eight since they kind of shifted him to center here played less Zach Collins Um, he's starting to find a rhythm here in the NBA game, starting to shoot better from three, like in his last 10, he's 34%. His last four, he's 37% from three. He's dropped 27 against good teams. I mean, there's a caveat for each of them. I mean, 27 against the bucks when the bucks are on a back to back Celtics also 27, but they, they rested Porzingis, but, Look, Joel Embiid will rest when he's on the floor. Like that, that's what he does. He's just like, look, this is not a very challenging matchup for me on the other end. Like we're fourteen point favorites at home here. Sixers are going to be able to win the game whether I shut down Wemby or not. Like I could see him just having a good time shaking his hand afterwards. Like, good job, young buck. You got your twenty five in, in a pointless uh, in another loss for you guys. But um, yeah, I, I trust him to bring it in this matchup for you know, whatever, whatever reason that probably on top of that, the fact that he respects Embiid and wants to show out against him.
0: Yeah. Wh- whatever his motivation might be. I, I mean, he just wants to shoot honestly, when he's on the floor. So yeah. I love the volume, right. For as much as anything, like it, I'm not saying he doesn't do other stuff, but it's, it's a big part of like his, he's become more efficient. Let's put it that way. He's been shooting this much all season. And I think we both are, are on the, of the mindset that he's he's putting it a bit more together than he has but he's still just gonna keep shooting because this team doesn't have a purpose right there's no end goal this season other than like just pro- progress, progress, progress. And the one dude that's going to for sure be here for a while is Wemby. So they're going to make sure he does progress uh, while staying healthy, which is why the minutes stay a little bit low. But like we were talking about, the volume's there. So don't don't worry about it. It's the usage rate that's just as important as long as he's getting the 25 or so minutes. So um, let's go to the Kings and Hawks game where you like an over at 237 and a half. And, and I don't disagree by any means. Um, and so I'm going to take an over for a, a Hawks player who is uh, DeJonta Murray. 31 and points in assists. I'm going to combine that. It's a better number there on BetMGM, but it's minus 130 if you want to take the juice, which I'm down for. Uh, so I'm going to take that for a full unit. And, you know, we, we were talking about this beforehand. It's a really simple explanation. Trey's not in, and DeJonta just steps into the same style of offense as the dude who's now got the ball and the most touches you know, per game, per possession, dribbling it and just setting everything up. So the usage will be there. He's at a 27% usage rate in the three games that he's played without Trey this season, up a bit from like 22% or so, right, 21% um, up on the on the season without him, Tw- 25 points per game, and the 10 assists per game in those three as well is what gets you up to like 35 points and assists combined for him. In in a game that's gonna be up and down, I mean, every single metric that we could talk about for this this matchup here is gonna be about these two teams getting up and down, shooting a lot of threes. The twos that they shoot are often gonna be in transition where they both find themselves uh in a top ten rate frequently. There, that's how often they're trying to get out in the break. Neither like I don't think neither of them the Kings are fine with their half-court offense, to be honest. And without Trey, like I, I think there'll be a decent amount of ball movement for uh Atlanta with DeJanta, you know, controlling that. Like they both give up a bunch of assists. The the Kings, especially, will allow you to get a ton of assists. Uh, as they've done all season long, eighth most assists to point guards, uh, eighth most assists overall. And in their last seven, uh, a bit more than that, even as they're two and five and just playing like no defense at home, just like anybody, everybody is getting points against this team. So there's still a ton of guys that DeJounte is going to have open in the corners where Sacramento is also very vulnerable. Uh, guys can get corner threes against them. So look for maybe some Sadiq Bay props as well to be the recipient of DeJounte's drive and kicks and stuff like that. Um, but I think, yeah, the the, the double digit assists is a nice bet there for him and, I'd even maybe consider a little double double for for Murray, who's you know his his assist prop is is basically at eight and a half. So you might get a little bit of a bump there, maybe like plus one fifty, plus one sixty on these books for uh, for him to get the double double.
1: Yeah, by the numbers, it certainly makes sense. The Kings in their last six are giving up the highest field goal percentage, the second most assists, thirty one assists per game, giving up. 124 a game. And and that's just the last six at home. I, I think I said. Um, which where, where they yeah. they don't worry as much about shutting down or playing good defense because they score more and they're on extended rest here, which is why we like the over. And if it's gonna be over, we're gonna need DeJounte to step into that role, show what he can do. Um, you know, whether he wants to be traded or not, like the the league's gonna be watching to see, all right, what does DeJounte do when he's not yeah playing off ball all the time with Trey Young in this awkward fit like is he still the same guy that was a triple-double machine when he led the Spurs so mm-hmm. we'll see so Celtics on a back-to-back here I'll take Porzingis at a bit of a deflated number because of the back-to-back situation I believe um obviously if he doesn't play you'll get your stake back but his his props are up No no other Celtics really are so 25 and a half points and rebounds seems low After he dropped 32 in Houston last night, played 33 minutes and we haven't really seen him much on back-to-backs this season. He got injured quickly when he played uh, a back-to-back against the Pacers. He had 17 and eight in a gross game at Charlotte way early in the season. He had 21 and seven in just 28 minutes against Toronto. So, I mean, he might only be around the 30 minute mark here, but probably going to be pretty productive and probably going to want to play in this game. It's his second opportunity at revenge against Dallas He had 24-9 in 30 minutes of a blowout win, actually, with the Washington Wizards last season when he got his opportunity to play against Dallas, the team that never really used him, told him to sit in the corner while Luka operated. Now he is very much involved in a fantastic five-out offense where he doesn't even need high usage to get his points, um, as we saw the last couple games where he came out on fire against Joker, very low usage, still scored a bunch, and then against Houston. Same deal, basically. He's now averaging 23.5 and 8 rebounds uh, on 54-40 shooting in 10 against the Western Conference this season. Dallas allows the 6th most points, 4th most threes, and 4th most rebounds to centers. And, I mean, if the Celtics do play him on a back-to-back here, they know at least that they have two days off before hosting Miami on Thursday. So not a situation where you have to worry that much about running him into the ground because his health is a big concern um but so far they've they've done a great job managing porzingis
0: yeah he's he's been awesome uh of late like really really awesome and the 25 and a half points and rebounds combined is pretty nice like he the the Rebounds prop's a little bit high, but the points prop's probably a little bit low, so I think it's they're they're both good uh as as a combo there against you know a really, it's just really... six and a half rebounds. you feel that's high i mean it's
1: it's it is for what but... he's
0: what he's been doing uh-huh. I guess it's just high compared to like what he's been achieving specifically on the on the rebound prop like because he's basically gone under predominantly over the last like ten eleven games uh he's got eight rebounds in his once in his last yeah like nine games so it's it's more like the the team of late has been, I think, what is the iteration of, of the Celtics that is kind of the best and the one that we'll see moving forward where it's like a ton of minutes for those starters just playing together that much. Right. And, and in that situation, like the best rebounder on Boston is Jason Tatum. But I, I'm still fine with everything here for uh, for Chris Stapps and company like it's just the, the we've seen less Papa Al too. So, yeah, like Chris is in there that much like he's there at least second option on offense, if not pre- like at their first a lot right now, uh, because of how hot he's been, especially they're, they're looking for him and it's, it's nice to watch. So I'm, I'm totally good with, with Chris Tapp's bet there. The 25 and a half combined is like, pretty low in my, in my estimation against such a bad Dallas defense down low. Like if Chris wants to go down low, he's going to get everything, like everything that he wants down there. So I, I hope he plays a little bit more down there in this one. And he, you know, doesn't have to, to run as much around the perimeter, but let me uh, close things out back in that uh, that Toronto game that I talked about in best bets, because I do like a, a bit of an under there, but I like Scotty Barnes to continue diming up. I thought this was going to finally be at six and a half assists for him. And it's still five and a half and minus a half and minus one twenty eight on FanDuel. It's, whatever I'll take the I'll, I'll eat that but that that's fine um he's had a all, all of the assist chances like I really think this is just all about the books and still not like thinking of him fully as like a point guard and don't get me wrong like Emmanuel is definitely a point guard as well. Emmanuel quickly has had the ball in his hands just as much as Scotty Barnes. I was just talking about this in a recent bet last last show where, where I bet on Barnes assists, and those were at four and a half, which was wonderful. And it was against a Knicks team who's much better at limiting assists uh, than this Memphis team, right? And so the, the Memphis team that we're going to see has been giving up plenty of assists. Uh, the fourth most last three games in the league, the sixth most to point guards. Whatever you want to call Scotty, like I said, he's not a small forward. Like he's playing up around the rim. He's not getting paint touches nearly as much as he was. His rebound chances are down, his potential assists are up. Everything is a lot more of like Scotty's got the ball in his hands on the perimeter, and he's playing in that like facilitator role, right? So that's that's what I don't think has been accounted for. Now Emmanuel Quickly is at the same prop. His his is at five and a half and juiced down even further. Um, but that's really all, what this this offense is at this point is like if they're in the half court, it's those two dudes at the top and everybody else playing off of that in the space that's provided. Uh, if you see where everybody else they're, they are shooting a decent amount uh, of corner threes as well, because they're both driving and kicking. And that's really it. It's just those two touching the ball predominantly uh, and then finding eyes and either shooting or kicking. So I'll keep going with Scotty Barnes assists, as long as they keep it at five and a half. I think that's a very friendly number. Uh, the other thing real quick, assist percentage in those last three games up to about 30% from the 23. It was, which is a really key number here. Both he and Emmanuel have seen their assist percentage jump from like 22 to like 33, 34% in that range. So feeling good about these assists for him.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's it's something he's done consistently, right? Since Siakam left, that makes sense. Um, Interesting. The rebounds at seven and a half—something he hasn't done in these right. four yet. Uh, but maybe this is an opportunity to to buy low on that because you like under for the game. Memphis yeah. probably going to be missing a lot of shots here. Uh, so I maybe you want to combine them. You can get fourteen combined rebounds and assists, and say I'm buying low on the rebounds. I, I expect him to get around eight
0: here, um, and and then combine the two together. The reason the reason I didn't is because I actually think the books are. Already jumping up that number. Like if they were being reasonable compared to where he's his his like rebounds have been at, they'd be at six and a half. But I think they ticked it up a notch because first of all, both these teams are horrible at rebounding these days, uh, and especially Memphis. They're they're both in the bottom ten. So yeah, either way, like rebounds, assists, fine. The assists are so low that I'm, I'm good with that as, as as my preferred bet. But that is all the time we have for you in this one. Continue to follow along. We've also got best bets up on top of these player props. So until we see you next, happy betting. Stop.